It's episode 178 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm sitting in a Zoom meeting with the incredible Kristen Johnston, a professional archer. You're also a bow hunter, fisherman, and outdoors enthusiast. You also made the uh, USA Women's National Team who just competed in Italy for the Women's Longbow at World Archery 3D Championships. Like, holy moly, thank you so much for being here. It is my pleasure. Thank you for doing something like this that highlights women and people who um, do things that not everybody knows about that are crazy cool. Uh, And it is. What you're doing is super cool. I can say, you know, I've growing up, I've known a lot of people who have been like, man, how cool would it be to, you know, know how to use a bow? But I mean, you actually do this. I mean, and it's not just you competing, you also participate in like renaissance fairs and that kind of thing, which we'll get into. But uh, first of all, how are you? How was your day? You just got back from Italy, like very recently from this championship. Uh, How did it go? Uh, Correct. I got back from Italy a few days ago, and now I'm at MD Anderson uh, with my mom, who has stage four colon cancer, and we've been fighting through that for six months. I actually left uh, from my current home in North Carolina on uh, a little trip to go to a couple of state championships, and six months later, I'm still in Texas, um, and we're just trying to make all that happen. Um, But yes, Italy. So uh, yeah, I was on the U.S. team representing women's longbow for the United States of America, top seed Wow! Um, in women's longbow for America. Um, and I was very pleased and honored to be able to represent my nation um, in that manner. Uh, I ended up, I'll skip all the super fun stories. We'll get into those later, I suppose, but I am currently 15th in the world. Wow. Oh my so, goodness. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. I met a lot of goals. I have a lot of goals uh, still set, um, but I am armed with what I need to make that happen. And as soon as I get all of this wrapped up and move my entire family across the country and set up my gear again, I'll uh, start working on it. Yes. I mean, but wow, what an accomplishment. Because if I, And please correct me if I'm wrong, but you were one of three that were on the women's team, right? Correct. Myself, uh, Joella Bates and Julie Robinson uh, represented the U.S. in women's longbow. Wow. I, uh, I, you know, I, I think people kind of will view, um, you know, something like uh, competing in longbow as, as kind of uh, you, you have to be really, really good at what you do in order to, to make the national team. Because um, I feel like that's such an old, like ancient practice. So I feel like a lot of people who participate in it really have have the skill down. And so was this something that you were, did you have a natural affinity for it? Or was it something that took a lot of practice? Both. Oh, okay. (laughs) So um, as a child, I watched Robin Hood, as many of us did. I was born in 1980. So uh, Robin Hood with the Fox was a big deal. And then I got on to Errol Flynn, Robin Hood, and then Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, and then all the Robin Hoods, because I mean, there was Maid Marian and there was excitement and there were bows and arrows yes. and there was you know, Will Scarlet and all the exciting things that go on with the Robin Hood story. So my younger brother and I, he was two years younger. We had an affinity for it since we were very young. So my parents bought us bows and arrows as children. And, um, long story short, he shot me with the... <laughs> arrow in my arm I have a scar You're and I kidding. love the scar no and mom told us not to and she said if we did they'd take them away well we went to the back um, pasture and we lived in the country a bunch of country kids and we tried to push it through because that's what we saw in the westerns we came in the house we're bleeding everywhere mom says get out because you're bleeding everywhere <laughs> Um, all the arrows into the roof because we just used my bow after that and then I just forever had a love of archery so years and years and years later my brother and I were in an auto accident in August of 99 it was a hit and run and uh, 17 years later post head injury for both of us um, he passed away due to organ failure because of the seizure meds Um, so he could either have seizures and die or be on these seizure meds for 17 years while we cared for him and died right We went with the latter, but um, I eventually got married, and my husband, who was from Ohio, uh, was a compound archer, and we ended up moving about five miles from where I grew up, um, out in the Blencer area, Sandia, Mm -hmm. and he left a bow out, which he had to interview. Okay, so this is back in the day when there was ADSAC? Yes, oh yes. 
Okay, does so AdSac Ad not exist anymore? I don't know. I don't know um, either. Maybe it's I online seen only. I haven't it in a long time, but yeah. it's, it was our exciting thing to do, you know, get the AdSac and see what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those viewers or listeners, I guess, who aren't familiar, this is like the first Craigslist, but it was in print form. And you went into the ad sack office and you said, I would like to put an ad in for this amount of money. And it was dollars. And um, then that got printed and everyone picked up the ad sack at the, the local, um, how do you say, gas station. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he interviewed, well, he answered an, an ad on the ad sack uh, for a longbow. Well, he got there and the old man interviewed him to make sure he was the proper candidate for this bow because it really is that special to us. Right. Um, and so he gave my husband a bow and he gave him a set of mismatched arrows and he gave him a schedule for local shoots. Well, years and years and late years later, he's in South Texas. He meets me at the Humane Society Gala on the Lexington and wow. we end up getting married and he leaves his left-handed Kohana longbow out on the table. It's about 60, I think it's 65 pounds, which is, it's a pretty stout bow. Yes. Which means you're holding 65 pounds on your fingers. Yes. Uh, And so I shot it and I shot it very well. And I said, I'm going to need one of these. So we started our journey to find bows. And um, through that came uh, shooting at Renaissance festivals. And I'm a a trained classical ballerina and did that for many, many years. I don't think I knew knew that. I did not know that detail about you. My bachelor's degree is in classical ballet. I danced for years and years with the Lone Star Ballet. I've trained at Joffrey and at Ballet Dallas and at uh, the Grand Rapids Ballet. And my brother was also a dancer. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I was already familiar with ballet that kind of led into belly dancing. Um, I performed with Tartanic, the nation's leading bagpipe band, and I was already in the Ren Faire circuit. Yes. Yes. Uh, So we started competing um, with bows at the Ren Faire and way led on to way. And we ended up opening a company and opened up a shop. And then we had a USA archery club called trad tour, which we still have. Yes. Um, I saw that we're sponsored shooters. And we have about, I think we're up to almost 50 people across the United States who shoot as a part of our club. Um, I made Team USA. Uh, we pre-COVID performed at fairs and festivals all across the United States, Renaissance fairs, Oklahoma State Fair, um, state fairs in Kansas. Um, that's how we made our living. Yes. Uh, we were we were carnies. Also, we're electricians. <laughs> um, my husband's a master electrician, and I'm oh, an apprentice wow. electrician. And Are you really? I am. Well, okay. I have, first of all, the, we have a lot to unpack with everything you just said. Also, I, I want to say I'm so sorry about your brother. I mean, what a Thank dev- you. devastating He's experience. My heart and it, it breaks my heart every second of every day. Yeah. I mean, that, I just can't even imagine, um, you know, that. And not to mention the fact that you also had to recover from from a really terrible accident. And, um, and yet, look at the woman you are, you know, and that you continue to be, you know, um, truly uh, inspirational, but I don't have to tell you that, you know, you know that, Um, but, uh, okay. Back to the electrician thing. I work in, I don't, I'm a project manager for construction jobs to know, to know electrical is to know so much. And it is rare to find people that can understand the language that is electrical. That is such a valuable tool that you have. And uh, the fact that you and your husband are kind of like, I don't know, partners in literally everything. Like y'all, you know, share knowledge or like one person kind of takes a lead and then you're like, hey, I kind of want to take that lead. You know what I mean? Like y'all grow together. That that's an incredible relationship right there. Really, we're just cheap. (laughs) <laughs> and we're always looking for ways to save money um, and not spend uh, too much time on something. He was also in a terrible car accident when he was younger and his oh best friend God. died in his arms. So we're both very time conscious and yes. energy conscious. So yes. um, if there's a way we can save money and time, we do it. So I became, uh, I did all kinds of um, work, you know, before I was, um, I did plumbing and all sorts of things because I was a property manager for years and years and years. Right. Um, but 
once we got married, he needed help on jobs. And so I went ahead and got licensed and he has taught me what I know. Now he is, um, when you speak about electricians, the king of the trades, um, knowing things, he's the one that knows the things. And I have no problem admitting that he is the numbers guy. Mm -hmm. He is extremely technical. He's extremely safe. He is he values the lives of people yes. and that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with electrical, because the thing about yes. electrical is it doesn't have to be correct to work. And that's when people die. Exactly. Um, Ooh, that is so ex- important. It is. He's an expert witness actually. And he's been called to cases where children have perished. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very real thing and it's something we both take very seriously, uh, but he's definitely the lead on that one, had his own, com- has been in electrical since he was 16 and has had his own company for forever. Yeah. So he's, he's a great electrician and I'm glad to help him and I'm glad to wire household projects while he's not in the house. Well, ex- exactly. Like the <laughs> fact that you can take care of it and the fact that you understand it is huge. You know what I mean? Because I mean, people know better than to just go messing around with their electrical. I mean, you would hope without knowing yeah. <laughs> what, what it is they're doing, you know, but the fact that you know what you're doing and you're working under a master electrician who knows how well, to do it, it properly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, I can't, I'm sorry. Like I know this isn't even like the most interesting thing about you, but I'm fixated on it because these multi-million dollar capital improvement projects that I am helping oversee always lack because of shoddy electrical work that these contractors who are certified to perform the work choose to do incorrectly because it still works, like you said. And rather than, you know, drop the extra coin to do it absolutely right and the safe way and, and yada, yada. I could go on about this forever. So I, I'm yeah, just... Uh, I, I could listen to this for Oh my forever, goodness, so yeah. Well, we're currently licensed in two states, so if you need anything <laughs> on that... Well, on that yeah, on that manner, just holler. Well, truthfully, yeah, though, yeah. this is inspiring to me because I've always said, like, you know what? I just need to learn. I just need to learn. I'm like, uh, I'm talking to Kristen. I just need to learn. That like, period. Yeah. Like, we're we're gonna make this happen. So I want to I want to backtrack a little bit. So you know, <laughs> at the risk of sounding crude, but your brother shoots you, mm-hmm. and. So was it after that that y'all kind of took a break? Like, or did you, were you still kind of like toying with bows, but didn't really become serious with it until after your husband brought the longbow? That's about it. So I played with bows my, my entire life. I've, I fooled around with them. Um, but I was, a uh, very, very heavy into ballet mm-hmm. and that took up all of my time. And, um, I worked at the ballet studio at ballet Academy of Corpus Christi under Nancy Sulik and uh, with the Corpus Christi Concert Ballet. So I was at class four days a week um, and Saturday. Wow. And then um, I worked there. I performed there. Uh, I left at 16 on a scholarship to West Texas A&M, a ballet scholarship. So that was my life for a very, very, very long time. Um, I also enjoy sailing. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents were um, racers, uh, Hobie Cat racers, um, Rough Rider, Fleet 99. Okay, okay. And uh, so the races down on the Bayfront and all that. So they taught me to sail at a young age. So when I wasn't doing ballet, I had this tiny 12 foot sailboat that I drug around everywhere and would sail, which I still have. And now I'll teach my children how to sail Wow! um, when we get to Florida. But I didn't pick archery back up until probably, I don't know, 20, maybe 2015, 2012. When did I get married? Seems like so long ago. But that's Um, really, I mean, while y'all are like obviously meant for each other so i'm sure it's felt like y'all been together forever i mean like you know within the past decade you've uh pick, picked up the bow and, and really made it like a part of your life regularly yeah so it was before we had kids and neither one of us really watches tv and we love the outdoors so we would spend two or three hours a day after work shooting outside until it got dark and see that's another quality because there's something very special about you. Um, no, not just one thing, but the thing that I'm going to talk about right now. The amount of activities or events that you can fill in it, like put in your day is incredible. Because when I was talking to you about trying to schedule you to be on the podcast, 
mm, I mean, yes. you, you, your schedule was just like tight. Like you're like, I'm going to be in Italy from this time to this time. And then I have to do, go, you know, to MD Anderson and then I have to do this and then I have to, you know, whatever. And then you're telling me about all these hobbies and these skills that you've acquired. And, you know, you have a family and, you know, you're looking after helping look after your mom and everything. Um, that really is a choice to what is important to you. I mean, cause you literally yes. said, we don't really watch TV. I mean, so, so tell me about that because I'm thinking about how I spend my days, you know what I mean? And I'm like, look at what you are doing with the time that you have, which again, reinforces what you said about being really aware of how critical and important time is the time that you have. Right. And so w with risk of sounding braggy, this is just going to be very straightforward be braggy. As, I, be braggy. as I see it. So when you've died, when uh, you, like I have been in a wheelchair, you couldn't walk, you couldn't talk, you couldn't drink a glass of water, brushing your teeth was a whole thing. Um, I looked at a telephone and there were numbers on the telephone. Well, there were squiggly lines and I knew the values of these squiggly lines, but I couldn't connect the value with the actual number. And I definitely could not figure out how to call for help. I mean, I, I couldn't remember whether I took a shower. I was still in college. I couldn't remember what I read. My GPA went from a 3.8 down to a 2.5 because I had the information in my head, but it wouldn't come out of my mouth. So when you, and, and that is nothing compared to watching the person you love the most in the whole world suffer. It's nothing. It's not even a scratch. Um, so when you've been through something like that at a very young age and your life was you know, relatively easy before I, I went to school, I went to work. Um, I wasn't a crazy kid. I just, it was a very boring, very simple. And, and I was very giddy. I just remember being giddy and, and happy with everything and feeling very fortunate. Um, so all of this happened and rocked my world. And when you have all of that dangled in front of you, um, well, at least in my case, once I acquired my skills back, uh, never to the point that I would would have them had the accident not happened, but enough that usually people don't know. Um, I went and did everything. So I walked the oil fields. I was a pipeline inspector. I worked at Hooters. Now, mind you, I'm an A cup. But <laughs> I, I think it's more about charisma as opposed to, you know what I mean? It's more about your presence, which you have. You definitely have presence. Um, so I did that. I, um, I worked for Robert Redford's catalog, Sundance. I finished my degree in classical ballet. I, um, oh, what else did I do? I went and got my master's uh, from Stephen F. Austin State University in public administration because my dad is a combat wounded Vietnam vet amputee. And I wanted wow. to do something to change that, which I don't work in government now because I realized after I got into it that this is a, a futile quest and e I can be a better use, uh, better use elsewhere. Yes. Um, but I just, I did all the things and something I learned very, very early on with ballet and homeschooling and all the things I wanted to do was time management and having to be very organized is a necessity of someone with a head injury. So that kind of went along with my time management and um, I keep memory books and notebooks and have all kinds of coping me mechanisms for that, but it also helps me greatly within time management. So despite my detriments uh, that are from the accident, I think I would do these types of things anyway, not necessarily as severely, but again, it's just time management. And if you know yourself and you know what to expect from yourself, then you can manage time around that. I do have two kids, uh, two and five. I have a husband. Um, I have two parents. I have a mother-in-law. Um, and I have wonderful, wonderful friends uh, who also shoot and some who don't. Um, and we're in the middle of selling a house and buying a new house and moving everybody cross country. But it's all possible. It's all about checklists and um, your desires. And are you going to spend X amount of time on Facebook? Because sometimes, yeah, I do that. And that's scheduled into my time yeah um do I take a nap sometimes at four o'clock in the afternoon like yesterday and don't wake up till eight <laughs> yes that happens um but uh it's all within allowances so if you just kind of give yourself for me at least if you give yourself kind of a general guideline situation about what you want to accomplish and the time you have to accomplish that in it's not that difficult okay. it's totally possible um for my training for instance for the U.S. team. Once I learned I was on the U.S. team, yes. I knew I needed to train instantly. So 
I went and found a used elliptical because I couldn't leave the house in the morning because my husband was doing electrical in New York um, at a uh, military base, building a paint booth or electrifying a paint booth. And I couldn't leave the kids. So I worked out on the elliptical in the morning for an hour. I went outside and shot for an hour. Um, you just make it happen. Yes. Um, my cousin is an author and she is just a very wise person and uh, lovely beyond that. But one of the things she says is do whatever it takes and start now. And there is never a time when that is not true. So yes, uh, I apply that often and it guides what I do. I mean, you know, because whenever I hear about the kind of schedule that you keep and the kind of discipline that you have, it can seem really daunting for somebody who is definitely not as structured, but the way you just presented it makes it, you know, it's feasible. Like you said, as long as you're really mindful about what it is you're wanting. Yes. If you just keep your goals front of mind, um, then you don't really want to do things that aren't necessarily, uh, helping you in that direction. But again, that's not to say you don't want to just bum out and have some popcorn and wine and watch a movie. You know, yes. that's okay too. And it takes rest to be able to make the rest of it work. Um, being a caregiver for my brother, uh, along with my parents, I learned about self-care and what you need to do for that. And I'm trying to teach that to my children. Yes. Um, not to just work your fingers to the bone, but to take time and go away. For me, it's alone time. Uh, either with my bow or with a book or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but whatever it looks like for every person, I'm trying to teach them to take that time and to recognize it uh, and to take care of themselves so that they don't run themselves to the bone. Because we all know none of us are any good when that happens. I'm sure you have a very hectic schedule. Um, when we were trying to schedule this, you had your times that <laughs> I know I'm speaking of the choir here. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely not on your level, but, um, you know, in, in some rega regards, yes. I mean, it was definitely like you and I were like, okay, this, this, but how about this, you know? Because ideal ideally, we would be face-to-face, -face, but I'm so grateful, I mean, you know, in person, but I'm so grateful to even just be having the opportunity to be spending 45 minutes with you, period. You know what I mean? Like, in incredibly grateful. And also, sh thank you for sharing, you know, that you because from the outside looking in, it's as though like, yeah, that she is like, you know, so, so structured, like, uh, she, she doesn't scroll on Instagram or whatever. And, you know, she, she doesn't take nights off, but thank you for sharing that even somebody like as accomplished as yourself does have those days where you just need a nap or you just need to chill for a night or whatever. Like that kind of balance is reassuring for those of us on this side, you know? Good. Yes. In Rome, I got up and I would go see something. I would find delicious food. I would go to sleep. I would wake up. I would find more delicious food. I, one day I ate ice cream all day long. Oh, it was wonderful. Amazing. Do not tell my children. <laughs> and then I went to sleep. I had invitations from Team Mexico and from a couple of other countries. And I said, you know, I would really love to do that. I, I'm just going to chill out in the bathtub yes. and uh, watch a bad Italian movie. That's it. That's and I had the best time. Good for you. And so, okay, I I want to get into kind of some details about competing, um, especially for Team USA. So, when did you get word that you made the team? And then, you know, how many months was it until you flew to Italy? Okay, so the first time I tried to make the team was about five years ago, and I trained for a year, and then we had trials, and my brain melted. I just was having trouble seeing the shot, visualizing the shot, and no matter what I did, I couldn't make it happen, um, and I'm used to dealing with things in my brain uh, that aren't quite right. Um, for instance, in the movie Kill Bill, there's the scene where the bride says, wiggle your big toe, and she has to manifest the wiggling of her big toe that is something that happens and that is something I'm used to so I knew it was just something that I had to work on and get past so it took me uh the next trials wasn't until three years later because of COVID mm -hmm. it, it should have been in two but it was three. oh man and so <laughs> I trained for I had another baby mm -hmm. and then I trained for an additional um three years uh leading up to the last trials which was in mm, June, June of this year. 
Uh, so I flew to London, Kentucky, despite my protests, uh, because I wanted to stay with my family and work on my dad's eye surgery and help my mom with her cancer. And mm-hmm. my children both had surgery and my husband's oh my goodness. Um, bicep came loose from his humerus. Like, yeah, it was, that was a lot. Yes, that, that is a that lot. extra lists uh, to get through. <laughs> Uh, but despite all that, I went to Kentucky and I found a local range owned by a couple um, who let me go there every day, paid, of course. Um, and I practiced for probably three or four days. I was there three or four days ahead of time, just leading up to that because I knew I needed to mellow out. Yes. Um, and then I shot and I my only goal was a perfect shot every time and not to take a shot that I didn't deem was up to my standards. Yes. So if I didn't like it, if I didn't like the shot, the way it felt, the way it looked, the way it smelled, whatever, I just didn't take it. Mm -hmm. And so that resulted in a very high score day one, excuse me. And day two, I relaxed a little bit, um, but I still came out on top and what was it you beat you beat somebody by one point i think right oh that's my new favorite story i'll tell you about that that happened in italy yes wonderful story um i'm all distracted Um, (laughs) sorry it's okay uh so we were finished with the trials course and myself and joella bates and julie robinson were peer group together um, because we all had the highest scores and we hugged each other and I looked at him and I said, I get to tell my mom I'm on team USA. And I broke down. That was the first time I realized because making team USA wasn't my goal. My goal was to have 48 perfect shots. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So then I went back home and I was like, Hey guys made the team. And they're like, well, now you have to go to Italy. And I was like, I can't go to Italy. You need me. And they were like, we don't need you. Go ahead. Oh, I went to Italy um, and my husband stayed and took care of the kids and the, the grandparents stayed and um, did all of that. And there I was in Italy. Um, thank goodness I knew a little bit of Spanish because that got me a long way. So yes. if you ever go to Italy and you know a little Spanish, you're going to be all right. <laughs> um, and I started practicing. Then we had official practice. Then we had a parade and um then we started qualifications and it's the most difficult course I've ever been on in my life. It was, uh, extremely steep, rocky terrain, leaves, rocks, seven archers were injured during qualifications. Oh my Um, goodness. One of the archers from Argentina, my good friend Gustav, he tore his quad. Uh, yeah, that big muscle on the front of your leg that helps you walk. Yes. important um another lady broke her leg in three places like this was a very treacherous course wow okay so when you say course i'm sorry i because i'm i don't know so whenever you're whenever you're qualifying is it just kind of like you have to traverse this area and hit targets like how does it work so it's different in every type of competition that you do. This particular archery competition is called 3D, as in three-dimensional. Yes. So you wander through the woods as if you're hunting, and you shoot at foam animals. They're made out of self-healing foam, and they have kill zones on them, and they range from an 8 uh, to a 10 to an 11. So the 8 is maybe, it depends on the size of the animal. Like a turkey is maybe eight inches across. Mm -hmm. Um, but an eight on a deer is maybe 10 or 12 inches across. Um, there's bear, there's, uh, moose, there's caribou, there's, oh, there were snails. Wow. (laughs) There were bobcats, there were turtles, there were hedgehogs, there were tiny, tiny birds. Um, so there's all sorts of different animals and all the kills look different. So, When you're shooting field, you walk up to a target and it's the regular circle target. It has different colors and they come down to a gold center. But in this situation, you're walking through the woods. The animals are at unknown distances and they have unknown kill zones. So you have binoculars and you are allowed to look at them. And they do have pictures up by the stake uh, at this particular shoot. They don't always, but they did at this one. And you walk up and you have two minutes Uh, You have to walk up with your partner. You cannot cross the stake or you're disqualified. You have two minutes to get off two arrows. Wow. So 
There's a lot of other technical stuff that goes into it. Yes. Um, which target you shoot, um, when you're allowed to pull, how you score, all of that is very, very regimented. And if you screw up any part of that, you risk being disqualified and losing those points. Oh, no. Very mm-hmm. intense. Super okay. intense. So we're we're hiking yes. through the mountains shooting these things that are downhill and uphill and across rocky ravines and you know anywhere from uh 17 no they were closer somewhere 15 anywhere from 15 to 33 yards away wow with a, with a stick <laughs> with another stick and a string that's it that's what i'm saying that's what i'm like you know for you to make this team like you're skills must just be so on point because it's such a I mean and you know I'm not I've never shot a bow but I mean I, I just feel like everything has to just be like just right for you to do it right and and notch it and, and make it fly and hit your target it's just so incredible that you are accomplished in this it's just amazing to me well, it is something that people can practice and get done. Um, it, there is amazing instruction available today. I run a YouTube channel. Um, one of my favorites is called the Push Archery. Um, and they really have expedited the learning curve. I mean, there is information out there today uh, that just allows people to advance very, very quickly um, if that's the direction that they want to go. So the information's out there and I'm always available. I have a Facebook. It's out there. I answer archery questions uh, whenever I can. So find someone, go to a local shoot. If you're interested, find me, um, look for me on Facebook, Makoa Chris Johnston, uh, look up our company, Trad Tour, and uh, we'll help you as much as we can. We'll put you in touch with groups. I have a women's uh, traditional archery group and uh, I started it just so women could network and see who was in their area. Very good. So that they could go out and uh, meet those women and practice together. That's fantastic. And I'm sorry, cause I had a, 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 a clarifying question, but you were telling the story about how you beat someone by one point. <gasps> oh yes. <laughs> All right. That's my new fishing story. So yes. here it goes. So I, I've made it through two days of qualifications and it hits me at that point because I didn't necessarily meet all of my personal goals during the two days. So I was, I'm pretty hard on myself. I think many of us are. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting there in Italy at the dinner table with dinner I had just made um, with uh, Shiloh Butts, who is an amazing shot, who ended up with a bronze medal walking away from this event, and Delano, um, who is my dear friend uh, from Dallas, who shot instinctive. So these are both very, very accomplished archers. Um, Delano's Texas State champion, I don't know, two or three years running. Wow. I'm just a a stand-up guy. Uh, So these are both wonderful archers, wonderful people, and we're sitting there and we're talking, and then all of a sudden something clicked i i said you know i went to qualifications and i qualified so it it hit me after shooting for two days that i was in italy shooting and um i was placed 13th and they take up to seat 24 i'm sorry 22 22 wow Uh, so i wasn't even at the end of the list i was doing pretty good yes this isn't bad because i didn't know where i would fall within those numbers Um, so after you finish qualifications, if you finish 22 or above, you get to go to something called eliminations, um, (laughs) and they're head to head eliminations. Um, before this point, you've shot two arrows at each animal. This time they're out in a field. So everybody can see you. There are hundreds of people gathered around townspeople, archers, random people that are just like, I want to see what's going on here. And you have to shoot with your partner, uh, six targets. And the winner of those um, targets gets to go on to the next head-to-head. So I was shooting with Karina Vitali of Argentina, and she's a lovely person. Um, and I'm actually friends with her friend from Argentina already. So it was nice. ironic that I was shooting with her. And so we, we stepped up, and we shot the first target, and we tied. I said, all right, that's cool. And we kept it light and we kept it fun and we hugged and okay. So we step up to shoot the second target and we tie. Okay. Um, at this level of archery, it, everything is ridiculously close. Um, so there's not usually a landslide win unless something weird happens. Right. 
So then the weather starts turning south and the the clouds start rolling over the mountains of Italy towards us and the cows start running into the forest and um, as a country girl, I'm like, well, this is, this is getting pretty serious. Uh, <laughs> let me bust out my Ziploc plastic baggie and put it over my Aeroflex because they're made of feathers mm-hmm. and I don't want them all to get ruined. Uh, well, before long, it starts pouring and it is my poor little bucket hatch, just like a little sad puppy dog just smashed on my face. <laughs> Karina Vitali's wearing this horrible little hood. Thing with just her little cute face showing and we're just trying to make it through and so we shoot the third target so you're still shooting sh- even though it's pouring rain yeah <laughs> okay y'all didn't like break until the weather gets better no okay uh, and that's a judge call that's yeah. not our call so they decide um so i shoot the third target and i shoot a five which is not not good i okay. mean i didn't miss the target i hit the phone but it wasn't in the eight um, I think it was up near the head. I think it was near the neck. And I think it was a javelina, which makes me even more mad, but for other reasons. <laughs> um, and she shot a better score than me. I don't know what it was. Um, but I was I was fit to be tied. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my very strong archery morals is that once that shot is gone, it is gone. And you move on. Yes. You move on to the next shot. That yes. target no longer exists. So... I stepped up to the next target, which was a raccoon. And I despise raccoons, again, for many other reasons. <laughs> and I stepped up and I looked at it. And I knew what I was going to do. And so I shot an 11, which is a perfect score. Wow. And it was raining. And I was like, yeah, this is going great. I don't care what else I do in this whole thing. Whatever. Okay, so I go to my last target. And we both shoot eights and we tie. So I end up winning the match in the rain in Italy with an 11 by one point on a raccoon. Wow. Yeah. So in my archery brain, that's like, I was done. I was so happy. Uh, I actually ended up losing by four points in my second round, uh, which was fine. Yeah. Because that doesn't seem like, that still seems like a close. It's less than one arrow. Yeah. So I'm like, that's. All right, yeah, good job. I can do Austria, that. I believe it was. And um, then I get to relax and watch the rest of the shooting. Yes. That's so amazing. My goodness. Cool. Yeah, and I mean and again, you are fifteenth in the world for women's yes. longbow. My big goal in going there was to be able to shoot with people that were better than me. And I got to shoot with the first and second seats. So I got to shoot with silver and gold. We didn't know they were silver and gold at the time. Um, but they ended up being silver and gold. They're both Italians. And mm. I got to shoot with one of them on day one and the other one on day two. So I bombarded them with questions of and course. I made them correct me and do all the things. So I got uh, some coaching, uh, some forced coaching by <laughs> um, Italy's top two women uh, longbow shooters. And I'm really excited to apply that. I've actually been to one shoot since I've been home. Oh, okay. I couldn't stay off the course. Yes. And I, I applied a little of what they told me and I did very, very well. So I'm excited to uh, work it into my process and keep shooting. Ve- yes. Very good. Well, I also love that you're like fresh off the competition and you're like, uh-uh, like I got to go try to implement these new skills. And have you always been that kind of person that you're always kind of uh, seeking like additional knowledge to like fine tune what it is you're doing and then immediately applying it? Sure. Well, ballet is the unattainable quest for perfection. So is archery. Um, I was homeschooled. So that a lot of that is up to you. I've been in situations in my life that were completely up to me. And I had a really normal upbringing, really lovely parents that are still married, um, a nice house and a dog and a cat and some fish at some point and ballet lessons and the whole nine yards I got to go to college um so I feel like I've, I've been very fortunate in my in what life has thrown at me although there have been plenty of curveballs um but there have been times in my life where it was completely up to me yes and I realize in those times and sometimes it's you know M&Ms or a Snickers and sometimes it's die or live so yes in every one of those decisions I think what are my choices? My choices are to give up and that's a totally valid choice 
or, and I try to feel that, or my choice is to do this. So my, my kind of guiding thing is if you can do it, do it. And I don't mean if you can do it and it, it straps other things in your life or you have to compromise uh, too much in something, um, then it's not worth it. But if you can do it, then do it. If you're just not doing it because you're tired or you're making excuses, that's not good enough. Just go do it. Yes. And usually I'm happier once I'm doing it. It's just getting the motivation to get there sometimes. It's difficult as I think it is for all of us. Yes. Um, but we get our second win when we do things we love. That is so true. And and so that's actually a perfect segue into my next question. Earlier, you had mentioned that when you uh, practice self-care, that that can oftentimes, it's your getting alone time to recharge and it's with a bow or with a book. And so I think it's very interesting that something that you've made a living doing, in addition to other things, but, you know, the a big focus being on, you know, the uh, archery, that you still utilize that as an, as an outlet for self-care. So is it something that's kind of meditative for you or is it just kind of like a release of energy or like, you know, how, how does it fuel you in that way? It fuels me simply because if you are practicing archery and you are not completely concentrated on archery and everything else is gone from your mind, you will fail. And I don't enjoy failing. So I, you can't concentrate on anything else. Um, it is only the bow. It is only the arrow. It is only whatever you're working on at that time, what your release is doing, what your face is doing, what your back is doing. Um, it's the same as reading a book. It's just getting completely enveloped in what you're doing, or you've read eight pages and you have no idea what's going on. And then it's pointless. You might as well just go, you know, dig a hole. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, very well said. And I've, I don't think I've ever been attached to something in, in the way that you are like just so good at it that it's literally an extension of yourself and you get that kind of release. But I feel like I've had moments in my life where I've experienced that doing something and it's usually something physical. Um, and I really enjoy that. So I want to talk about the business that you and your husband started that is, uh, primarily focused on the archery and the bows. Mm -hmm. So how, how did y'all determine that, you know what, let's go into business doing this? There were no um, affordable, all-natural wooden um, bows available at the Renaissance Fair we were at without a very long wait. And which Renaissance so, Fair was that? Was that the one here in Texas? Should uh, I? It is, okay. but it's, it's not the one you're most likely thinking of. You may be thinking of Texas Renaissance Fair, TRF, yes. which is a wonderfully big very commercialized fair and yes. I love it. And I have many friends who perform there, but it's yes. not my favorite. My favorite and the fair who sponsors us is Sherwood Forest Fair. Where's we that one? Sherwood Forest Fair's archery team. They're in McDade right outside of Austin, Texas. Okay. So it's like this fantastical, fairy, belly dance, knife axe throwing, huge archery culture fair. And you wander amongst the trees and you eat great food and you drink delicious beer and you have mead that is made by the fair owner's cousin. Wow. Uh, just a few miles from there, um, who is also an archer. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so it's just, it's a very family oriented atmosphere. It's total, total fun. And, um, see, so yeah, I'm all, I'm all off over in the, uh, oh yes, the business. Yeah. Trad, trad tour. Uh, and thank you for telling me about this because I've only ever been to the Texas Renaissance fair, which is a great time, like you said, but I'm very curious about this one, the Sherwood fair. When you're ready to go. You let me know. Yes. And I will hook you up tickets. Oh and my we'll gosh. Get you there and we'll make sure you have a wonderful oh, time. Oh, you're amazing. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's every March and April, so it's coming around here again soon. We just actually had Celtic Fest, so they do little events through the year, um, and we had a big shoot there, but I was actually in Italy, so my husband went and manned that. Oh, so wow. Good times. Yes, yes. Um, oh, so we just wanted to be able to provide affordable, readily available bows to everyone so that anyone who wanted to do this could. And uh, so we started providing those and then we learned how to build them. And then 
Oh, then we decided we needed a shop. So we opened a shop. Well, then we made places for archers to store their equipment. So then we had an archers area. Well, then we decided we needed a lane. So we put in a lane and now we have uh, some friends that run it for us. And it's wow. just the archery culture continues to perpetuate itself there. And we're so proud to represent uh, that fair and the owners of that fair have supported us so much uh, within and without fair. It's just, it's, it's a really good thing. And it's a really good feeling. Um, but beyond that, we decided we needed, since we were competing outside of fair as a professional team, we needed a USA archery club. So I opened a USA archery club with USA archery uh, called trad tour as in yes. traditional tour, meaning we go all over and shoot traditional archery. And after we did that, we started recruiting. Well, then we got jerseys uh, and then we got more sponsors. And now we're able to pay some of our people out for their fees that they spend on entering these competitions and some of the travel. And if they place high, then we're able to pay them for that, which is Fantastic. lovely. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big family now. It keeps growing. We have members all the way from the East to the West Coast and uh, we're both USA level two certified archery instructors. We have a coach now, a team coach, PJ Velez, who actually ironically was just at MD Anderson getting a chunk of his lung removed because he has lung cancer. Oh, shoot. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, he made his wife let him stop at the archery range on the way home to say hi. Oh, wow. Because that's how we are. Yes. And, uh, so he is our coach. Uh, he's a Paralympian, um, archer and he's wonderful. Uh, so everything just kind of perpetuates itself. Uh, so we're moving down to Florida. There are some amazing shoots there and, um, I'll start teaching archery there. Maybe try to get something going at the Naval base or for kids, maybe in schools there and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, I have no doubt it's going to be extremely successful, like anything you put your mind to. So with your two kids, are they all, I know you have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Is the five-year-old kind of expressing any interest about bows? And is that something that you'll be kind of raising them around and, you know, educating them on, on, uh, the practice? Well, when, when I became pregnant with my son, uh, I was maybe, I don't know, two months pregnant and I took my first deer with a bow. So he's been bow hunting since before he was born. Dang. And by the time, by the time he was, well, I shot. Girl, you're bad. Eight. You are bad. All right. Like, I always knew you were bad, but that story, you're bad, bad. Like, wow. It's just normal. It's normal for us. <laughs> and it's normal for a lot of people. But if you ever want to learn, we're happy to teach you. No, we I love mean, spreading the joy of archery. My goodness. Um, what an amazing story. Like, it's, oh, we love incredible. to tell him that story. It was also on my birthday. So it's just the e whole thing is just cool extra special. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. I, that's my boy. Um, and so I shot a very, very pregnant with him. I shot Texas State Longbow and Chester and all these big shoots. Um, and then I shot, of course, uh, the Renaissance Fair at Sherwood. And then I ended up having him. And that by that time, we were doing our show. Uh, it was a very rough labor. I almost died. He almost died. So by the time we were able to rehab and I was pulling a light bow, but that happened for a long time. Mm -hmm. Then we started doing our show. And so he grew up as a tiny baby around that. So it's, it's, I didn't have to instill it in him. He just saw it happen and yes. he thinks that's normal. So just don't tell him. <laughs> and I think we're going to be solid. Um, so we're standing behind our shop one day and the, the fair has an actor who plays Robin Hood and a guest had won an archery lesson with Robin Hood. And that was very exciting. And yes. so my son is back there as I think a three-year-old also practicing archery with his tiny mini bow at his safety line, doing all the right things. And he sees that the guest is struggling and that the actor Robin Hood is struggling to instruct him. And so he decides to take over and says, Hey, you know, my name's Sawyer and this is what you need to do. So he instructs him well and the guest kind of pops off and says, oh, I bet you can shoot it. And so my son loads two arrows because that's normal to him. He sees us do trick shots in the show and he shoots his target and he hits it with the two arrows. Wow. 
At which point we thanked the guest and Robin Hood for teaching Sawyer, who was obviously Robin Hood's student, all of these wonderful <laughs> tricks. And we left our lane uh, at risk of doing further damage. Oh but, yeah. my gosh. Like he really is a chip off the old block. That is so yeah, hilarious. He's like, Let me help you. I will help you. What? I'm here to help you. So my mom's looking at me right now. Just, that was great. So he thinks it's normal. Oh, he does say he's a professional. Oh, yeah, I, she I was mean, reminding you that. I, I it sounds then, like he definitely is, like from very, very young. <laughs> so our baby announcement with my daughter was my son shooting a balloon that was pink. Um, so it's it's just very much a part of our lives. The way I told my husband I was pregnant, I wrote it on the back of a target because he goes down and changes my targets, and he saw that. Oh my gosh! Um, and that's all on YouTube. Um, all of our trick shots are on YouTube too. Which during COVID we got really really bored, so there's some crazy ones. Uh, but, I can't uh, wait. I'm subscribing uh, today. <laughs> what what's the YouTube channel? We're the Longbow Show. The Longbow Show. If you show. look up the Longbow Show, you'll find us. Very good. Uh, it's a black and white picture of a bone arrow, real easy. Good. Um, and my daughter, at this point, she loves fletching arrows. That's her big thing. And we hate it, so we're hoping that that sticks. <laughs> um, but uh, we were, I was going to make cookies with the children the other day. So I put on cocoa melon. I had chocolate chip cookie stuff going on. We had milk. I had all the good stuff going. And my husband was like, oh, great. I'm going to go outside and shoot for a minute while they're busy. And he must have said something like, I'm going to go outside and shoot. And the children heard him. And I, man, I had TV. I had chocolate. I had milk. <laughs> I had cookie dough. He won because he was going outside to shoot. And wow. they wanted to shoot. So wow. they're, they really enjoy it. I'm not sure if they'll always enjoy it, but at this point, we're just enjoying that they like doing what we do, and we love being outside, and it's just fun. For sure. Well, and I love that, you know, like you said, <laughs> you're not having to instill it. It's just you guys are literally leading by example, and you can tell that there's so much joy in what you do, and children love seeing their parents joyful and, and doing what they love and they want to follow suit that I mean that, that's amazing that's one of the best things you could ever teach your kid is, is to follow your joy Kristen I am just in awe of you thank you so <laughs> much for joining me um well wishes to your mother I mean you guys you. yeah I mean I'm, I'm thinking about y'all um so people can find you on Instagram at archeress Remind me what it Makoa. is. Makoa. It's my stage name. So yes. it's just easy. Like Mako Shark and then with the name Makoa. Makoa. Perfect. And then on YouTube, it's The Longbow Show, which I'm going to be subscribing to today. And then they can also find you on Facebook. What's the Facebook name? Uh, we are Trad Tour. T-R-A-D-T-O-U-R. That's our company. And then if you're looking for me, just look up Makoa, Chris Johnston. Um, I put the Makoa in it so it's easier to find instantly. And yes. then on TikTok, I'm also just like on uh, Instagram at Archerist Makoa. Very good. So anybody listening to this, check out Kristen and her family and everything that they're up to. It's just amazing. Um, I'm so fortunate to have spent this time with you and I really just can't wait to continue to see you thrive. So thank you again for being here. It's my pleasure. And I must give a shout out to my sis for hooking me up with you. Shout out so Erica. Visiting with you. Yes. She's an amazing hairstylist in Corpus Christi. So, um, I'm very fortunate to know her and to know her family. Uh, they've been a huge help to us always, of course. So Definitely. And thank you for doing what you do, highlighting women. This is a wonderful thing. And I know it takes a lot and I know it must be taxing at times, but you make it look easy. Thank you so much, Kristen. You make, you make this easy. You know, it's, <laughs> you, even if I've had a day talking to you and hearing about, I mean, j just your, you know, joy to live and joy to every, do everything that it is you're doing. I mean, that is infectious. So thank you for sharing that with me. It's my pleasure. I, I, we live for those who can't. And I am, I am grateful every morning that I wake up and I take a breath. Truly. Very good.